At the height of her modeling career, she was faced with a sudden life-changing diagnosis. I declined pretty rapidly. It took about a year. Um, I was finally sent to the Mayo Clinic and they diagnosed me with fibrillary glomerulonephritis. And it was just kind of downhill from there. That's kidney transplant recipient, Alexis Connell. I'm Sarah Jane Castro, Director of Marketing and Communications for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. And your host for this edition of The Journey Continues. Alexis joins us for this episode to share how she maintains an active lifestyle as a transplant recipient. Hi, Alexis. How long have you been living with your transplanted kidney? Um, I am at about nine and a half years now. I'll be 10 years this year. Wow, that's incredible. How did your journey start? Um, My journey started in 2009. I was working full-time. I was modeling full-time as I, I just went back to school I was basically what you call living your best life. My doctor, I went for a regular visit. My doctor found a little abnormality in a test and recommended that I just see a urologist to make sure that everything was okay. Um, I did go. They didn't find anything. They were still seeing the abnormalities. And so they asked me to see a nephrologist, which is a kidney doctor. For my fault. I didn't go because I had no symptoms. I felt fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I felt like there was nothing going on. So I didn't go. And about maybe seven months later, I woke up with this horrible, horrible back pain. I was lifting weights at the time. I thought I just hurt myself, went to the doctor. They saw that I had not gone. So my primary care physician made that appointment with the nephrologist. And by then I'd probably lost about 35 to 40% of my kidney function already. Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. I declined pretty rapidly. It took about a year. Um, I was finally sent to the Mayo Clinic uh, and they diagnosed me with fibrillary glomerulonephritis. And it was just kind of downhill from there. I did a round of chemotherapy, which kind of made it a little worse. And then I crashed into dialysis in uh, 2011. I did peritoneal dialysis at home uh, for just under a year. Um, I was on the transplant list at Northwestern Memorial. Um, And then my nephrologist recommended that I multi-list. So I got on the list in Madison, Wisconsin, um, at the University of Wisconsin uh, Hospital Madison. And they called me in about three months and I got my kidney in Madison. And so I've been just trying to basically maintain it and stay healthy, you know, from that point on. Wow, that's incredible. How How did you feel when you got that diagnosis? I was in shock for a while. I mean, I was in shock and I was in denial. No one in my family has any type of kidney disease. And so I was the first one and to decline so rapidly. And then fibrillary glomerulonephritis is a very rare kidney disease. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, you know, they don't really know a lot about it. There's no treatment except for a transplant. And so I I was kind of crushed. I thought I was living a healthy lifestyle. I mean, I was working out, I was eating right. I didn't understand why something like that would happen. Did your doctor give you options for, uh, you mentioned that you were on peritoneal dialysis. Did he give you Mm -hmm. options for the type of dialysis you could go on or was that their recommendation? It was a little bit of both. My doctor, Dr. Aya, she was amazing. She let me know that I was definitely going to be going on dialysis and she let me know early 
And so she was like, these are your choices. So she gave me all the choices. She explained everything, gave me some pamphlets to read. And she was like, you need to start looking at this and kind of choose which one you think you would want to do. She recommended peritoneal dialysis because at the time I was still pretty active. I was working full time. I was going to school. I had to stop modeling, but I was still working and going to school. And so she felt like because I was so still so active that peritoneal dialysis would be the best for me. But I was still in denial. I didn't read any of the pamphlets. I just felt like I was just going to, like it was just going to go away. Like I say, when I crashed into it, you know, she was like, okay, I gave you some choices. We're just, we got to do it now. We're going to do peritoneal. And I'm glad that we moved forward with that because it really was the best choice for me. For people who might not be familiar, can you explain how peritoneal dialysis works? So with peritoneal dialysis, you um, they do a minor surgery and they put in a peritoneal dialysis catheter. And basically what it does is it uses the peritoneum inside your stomach. It's a lining um, in your abdomen. And basically they use that to filter out the impurities in your, you know, in your blood and in your system. So there's a machine that you hook yourself up to at night with fluids. And basically the machine pushes the fluids into your abdomen and then it sits for a while and then the machine pulls the dirty fluid back out. So I did nine hours of dialysis a night. So I would hook myself up and I used three bags of fluid and it would do it while I slept at night. And then I would get up in the morning and I would unhook myself and go on with the rest of my day. Okay. So it gives you that flexibility you were talking about where you're able to still work. You don't have to go to a, a center to do dialysis three times a week or something. You're able to Exactly. Have a little bit more freedom. Exactly. As long as you do it, however many hours they assign you to do, you know, you just have to make it so that you do it. So I went to bed the same time every night. I did everything I needed to do. And it has a long tube. So if I needed to get up to move around my house because, you know, I'm, I'm in a con- I was in a condo and it was kind of small. So mm-hmm. I was able to still move around. Did you run into any issues doing dialysis at home or was it a pretty smooth process? Um, I have to say for me, it was a pretty smooth process. Um, I have a surgical background. I worked as a surgical tech, so I'm very familiar with sterile technique. And for me, it wasn't a problem at all. I was able to maintain sterile technique and I didn't get any infections or anything like that. It actually did work out really well for me. You mentioned that your transplant wait wasn't too long because you're you're listed at a couple places, mm-hmm. but what was that experience like waiting for a transplant where you, you put your name on the list and then what happens? When I first put my name on the list, I, I, I guess I thought I would get a call much sooner mm-hmm. and, you know, you sort of, you know, wake up every day kind of anticipating that call and then it doesn't come. And so by the time, you know, I had registered in Wisconsin, I got that call in in about three months. I was shocked because, you know, after a certain amount of time, you just stop looking for the call. And so, and at that time I was on dialysis now. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it'll come when it comes. And I kind of had stopped thinking about it. And when they called me, it was like 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, who is calling me, you know, this early? (laughs) And I wouldn't answer the phone. They called a couple of times and I was like, okay, maybe something happened to somebody in my family. So then I answered the phone. And then when she told me who she was, I was like, oh, okay. I was in shock. I, it, it wasn't real until I actually got to the hospital and they started mm. sending me through all the processes. And so did your transplant come from a deceased donor, I'm assuming, since you got that call in the middle of the night? Yes, it did. 
when you were first listed, did they give you any sort of expectation for how long it could take or talk to you about living donation? They definitely talked to me about living donation. I do have in my family, there's a lot of autoimmune disease. And so my oldest brother did get tested, but he was not able to be a donor. And most of the other individuals in my family were not, they were not able to be donors as well. So I was sort of dependent on a deceased donor at that time. Yeah. Speaking of your family, how did your health and diagnosis impact your family? They were probably in shock as much as I was, but I have to say, I would have never made through any of this without God first. But I mean, my family and my friends, they were absolutely amazing. Everybody just sort of jumped in and, you know, my mom would come, you know, sometimes and go with me to my appointments. I had friends that, you know, they would take me to appointments. There were times when I had to be rushed to the hospital. There was always somebody on point that was like right there. If I went to the doctor and I had to stay, you know, they would bring me whatever I needed. Like everybody was just truly amazing through the whole process. That's wonderful to have that kind of support. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. So how has being a transplant recipient changed your outlook on life? It sounds like you were already very active in your own words, like living your best life. How did being a transplant recipient change that? It really made me look at life differently. I feel like I I definitely got a second chance because I was so extremely sick. You know, it's like once you get that transplant, it took a couple of days for my kidney to start working. But once it started working, you know, I started getting better. I mean, my skin, everything just looked better. I felt better. So for me, you know, my focus has just been on, you know, maintaining my health, maintaining the kidney and also, you know, spreading the word to other people. Cause a lot of people think, you know, once you get your kidney, okay, I'm good. I don't have to do anything else, mm-hmm. but there's a lot involved in maintaining our kidneys. There's a lot of things we, you know, we either can or can't do, or that we have to be really careful of. So it's just, you know, it's been a lot of research, a lot of, I've worked with some amazing trainers. I've learned a lot of things about the way that I eat, you know, just different things like that, that have become extremely important to me. And I try to share the things that I learn. Great. Yeah. I love that. What was your post-transplant recovery like? Um, it was a little rocky at first because when they called me to tell me that they had the kidney, they did let me know at that time that I was going to have high antibodies to the kidney which I'm assuming means a greater risk of rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to go through a lot of treatment after the transplant. I had to uh, stay an extra week in Wisconsin. I had to go a couple times a day over to the clinic for treatments. And then when they let me come back to Chicago, I did a lot of back and forth for treatments. I did get sick a couple of times you know, just adjusting to the different medications and getting dosages right and everything. But once I got through that little rocky road, probably the first year was a little rocky. Uh, After that, once, you know, I was on a steady dose of medication and everything, it's been pretty good. My biggest issue that I tend to have is being more susceptible, you know, as being immunosuppressed or more susceptible Mm -hmm. to illness, obviously. Um, So those have, that's probably been my biggest issue is setbacks in that sense. Yeah. So when were you able to like return to normal activities? How much were you able to do? Were you able to like get back to pre-diagnosis life or what was the new normal like for you? It took about 
took about maybe nine months before they're like, okay, you can, you know, start working out, things like that. I mean, they left my peritoneal dialysis catheter in for a few months just to make sure everything was going to be okay. And I didn't want to, you know, really do anything with that. But once I started, I had to start really slow. I take prednisone. Um, I'll be taking that for the rest of my life. That causes, you know, a lot of issues with, you know, your joint. You have to be careful with the joints, your bones. So I've had a couple of setbacks in that sense. Um, I've broken a couple of toes, <laughs> um, oh, just being clumsy. Um, I had to have a shoulder repair and I've tried different things. I, I used to teach spin classes. Um, I did water rowing. I've done hit. I've done circuit. Um, and I had to find what worked best for me. Uh, weight training and cardio tends to work best for me. You know, I have to, I've had to learn to listen to my bodies. I think that was the biggest thing that I had to learn when my body says, okay, it's time to slow down or time to stop. I have to do that. So I have to take yeah. a break. Um, and again, the trainers that I work with were amazing. Once I let them know my situation, like, Hey, I'm a transplant patient. This is what I take. This is what I do. And I have to say they did their research and they worked with me to make sure that, you know, they pushed me past my comfort zone, but not pushing me to the point where I would hurt myself or pass my limits. So right. I really learned a lot from that. But for me, I just had to learn to listen to my body and just be careful. That sounds great. It sounds like you've got a wonderful support system yeah. with your uh, with your trainers, with your family. Your... Mm -hmm. How soon were you able to get back to work post-transplant? Well, actually, I'm going to be honest, I wanted to go back in like a month. And my doctor was like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. You need to stay on. Cause it's like, again, you feel, I felt good after about, you know, a week or two, I really felt good. And so he was like, no, 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 you got to stay off. So it probably was about, I think I went back and I did maybe four to six hours after about eight to 10 weeks. And then I did that for about a month. And then I went back to full time after that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and it was only because, again, I had to go through all the special treatments and all that stuff. You mentioned that you had to get, or put your modeling career on hold. What's the status of, of your modeling career now? Um, I never actually went back to it. I did have a few friends um, that are, were in the business with me as well that, you know, tried to encourage me to go back, to get back into it. I just never did. I just started doing other things. I mean, I went back to work. Um, you know, I started working out. I did a lot of work with the uh, clinic that trained me when I went on peritoneal dialysis. Um, I would go in and talk to some of the patients, you know, who are really sick to kind of, you know, let them know what to look, you know, look for and what, how, how their body was going to change and just kind of help them through their process as well. So I just kind of started focusing on other things. Um, mm -hmm. I've thought about it, you know, obviously, um, but I'm also older now too. Um, so I just, I think my, my mind is just kind of in a different place. Yeah. It sounds like you have some new passions that were born. Yes, at, definitely. Like, Post-transplant. <laughs> And one of those passions, you're, you're very active with the NKFI advocacy program. Can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to get involved there and sort of your work in that regard? Well, what definitely inspired me was, you know, my journey. And there's a reason, you know, why I am where I am right now. I feel like I have to pay it forward. 
you know, I kind of had to feel my way through the process. And if I can help someone so that they don't have to go through some of the same processes that I went through, you know, it's, it's my way of giving back or paying it forward. And so I really enjoy it. I really hearing, I really enjoy hearing about other people's experiences um, and things like that. And so whatever I can get involved in, I do, whether it's um, just volunteering, you know, and working at, you know, a kidney function or, you know, coming to speak. Um, I mean, I've worked at the gala just sort of as a Mm -hmm. volunteer. I've worked at, you know, some of the affairs Um, And I really enjoy it. Just, you know, meeting the people and you meet people who are not even kidney patients, but maybe they're caregivers to a kidney patient and, you know, sort of being able to give them information and make sure that they know what their resources are. Yeah, that's huge. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's so helpful. So I know that you've, you've written some books. Will you tell us a little bit about them? Yes. So um, these are my babies. Uh, I wrote a book. It's called Journal Your Journey to Health. And it comes in a 90 day, a 60 day and a 30 day. In this book, I talk a little bit about my story and my journey. It's a journal, but basically it has a contract that you sign with yourself to hold yourself accountable. There's a calendar in there where you set up what your wellness journey is going to be. So whether it's just walking three times a week, or if you actually, if you're, if the person is more active and they actually work out, you know, setting those in there, there's places where you log your food for the day, uh, you log your workouts. How did you feel? You know, did you work out? Did you not? If you didn't, why not? Um, Because I feel like when you, and these are again, things that I learned when I can see what I'm actually doing. Like if you can see what you're actually eating in a day, it kind of makes you think twice about, okay, maybe I shouldn't have had that, or maybe I should have more of this. Um, And so there's that. There's also a place where you can um, log your medications if you're on medications. Mm -hmm. And then in the back, I have some references for like hypertension, diabetes, uh, kidney disease. And then there's some of my favorite, a few of my favorite recipes in there. There's also some sample meal plans Um, So there's just a lot of information in here um, for people to actually journal their way back into health. And it's not necessarily about weight loss, because I always say, you know, it's about what is your best wellness. I have trainers. My boxing coach actually uses it for some of for a lot of his clients. Um, I have people who have used it. And then when they go to the doctor, like the doctor may say, you need to lose a few pounds. They take it in and show the doctor like this is what I've been doing. So it's been doing really well. Um, It's not just for people who want to lose weight, but just people who want to get to that optimal wellness. I'm actually journaling. I started doing it again this year as well. I picked up a few COVID pounds that I'm trying to get off (laughs) and just want to, you know, get back to my best wellness because everybody's is different. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a great way to like really map your progress and take a look at sort of take stock of what you're doing, what you could be doing more of. Yes. And I also, I really wanted, you know, I wrote it for people with health issues like myself, Mm -hmm. but anyone can use it. So it it really is good for anyone who, and you basically, you pick based on if, you know, if you're just beginning and you, you know, you haven't worked out in 10 years, you're going to do a 90 day, but somebody who may have just fallen off or maybe they had surgery and could work out for a while, you may be a 30 day or it basically allows you to choose, you know, what's best for you. Yeah. That sounds very helpful. 
What sort of things are you working on now? It sounds like you're a very active person who has, you're doing a lot of things. You want to help people. What projects are you working on now? I moved this year. So that has been, a, or I'm not this year, I guess I'm still in 2021. Uh, <laughs> I moved uh, in 2021. So I've been trying to get, you know, settled in my uh, new environment. The projects that I'm going to be working or that I'm still working on, I'm studying to become a health coach. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to, I had to postpone my test because of my move, but hopefully I'll be able to take that soon, get that out of the way. And I have an idea for another book. So I've sort of been outlining that just, you know, once I become a health coach, that'll allow me to be able to work with people individually, hopefully, and just help them on their journey. My, you know, my main thing is again, just getting the word out there and just helping as much as I can. That's wonderful. I can't wait to read your new book. Thank you. Thanks. Do you have any final words of encouragement for other transplant recipients or for people who just want to live a healthy and active lifestyle like you do? Uh, Yes, I do. I know that getting started is, is really hard. I myself have suffered with that quite a bit, um, especially through COVID. I mean, I think a lot of us went through a lot of changes through that, but You know, I just really want to encourage people to really think about what it is that you want to accomplish, you know, health wise. And then, you know, we just got to start doing it. We got to just move. I've had people who I talked to a woman one time and she was on a walker and she was like, well, I can't do much. And I said, well, you know what? Every time you use your walker to stand up or sit down, you're doing basically a squat. So there's things, you don't have to go to a gym. There's things that you could do at home. You can walk to the mailbox. You can walk around the block. You can walk around your house. You know, there's just so many things. So just be creative and find what works best for you. Because what works for me might not work for someone else. I love to box. Everybody can't box. You know what I mean? So it's just whatever works best for you. And just, you know, just do it. Just, you know, try to stay motivated. And when you lose it, just pray about it. It'll come back to you and just keep doing it. Thank you. That's great advice. You've definitely encouraged me. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) That's the goal. (laughs) Uh, I am so grateful to Alexis Connell for sharing her story with us. If Alexis has inspired you, like she has me, to adopt a more active lifestyle, you can find her books on Amazon. Advocating for the kidney patients and organ donors' health and rights is a huge part of what we do at the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. To join other champions like Alexis and make your voice heard, visit nkfi.org advocacy. I'm Sarah Jane Castro, and this is The Journey Continues. Prevention is a key part of our mission at the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. Here's Dr. Melissa Prest with a health or nutrition tip. Here's today's health tip about exercise and physical activity. Everyone can benefit from moving their bodies daily. 30 to 60 minutes a day of some form of activity is recommended for its health benefits. Exercise has been shown to help with weight management and combat health conditions and diseases like heart disease, high blood pressure, strokes, diabetes, arthritis, depression, and anxiety. Exercise can increase your energy level, promote better sleep, and can actually be fun. Your exercise routine should include a variety of movement that gets your heart rate up and encourages you to use your muscles. Flexibility is also important so that you can move your joints through a full range of motion. Walking, jogging, jumping rope, 
climbing stairs, hiking, riding a bike, swimming, and rowing are exercises that get your heart pumping. Lifting weights or using exercise bands can be a great way to strengthen your muscles. And yoga or Tai Chi movements are great at increasing your flexibility. Whenever starting an exercise program, talk with your healthcare provider to discuss which types of exercises are most appropriate for you. Start slow and gradually increase your time and intensity. While 30 to 60 minutes a day is the recommendation, start where you can, maybe it's 10 minutes a day, and continue to work until you get to the goal of 30 to 60 minutes. Always pay attention and listen to your body. If you feel dizzy, faint, or ill, stop exercising and follow up with your provider. With today's health tip, I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.